Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we're going to talk about uh, being in creative mode or production mode as an artist and what it is that, how it is that we approach it and how we've changed our approach to it over the years because mm-hmm. they're uh, in different stages of our art career. We've been in different places when it comes to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Spo- and the spoiler alert is that you really can use them both. Yeah. One's not better than the other. Yeah. This is what I've come to discover. The thing about it is that as an artist, like a lot of times when, um, let's say you're working on a painting or even a, a new design for jewelry mm-hmm. or something, there's a lot of stages that take place. There's the gestation stage, you know, where it's like, um, after you get actually the first stage would be the inspired stage where maybe you see something or you have a conversation or something and it just inspires you to create something. Mm-hmm. And then comes the gestation stage, right? That's where you like sketch it out or like you just think about it or you sleep and then wake up and like an idea is there. Um, and I feel like everything creative kind of follows that, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's music or writing or art or jewelry or anything really. And I think that for creatives, for people that are thinking of a creative career, that's the way that they imagine that it always happens, right? That artists, it's always based on the inspiration. It is always based on the inspiration, but that it's based on this gestation stage and then the creative stage where you just kind of toil away i know that a lot of artists identify with that where like they toil away with the canvas yeah one artist referred to it as the hunt right exactly the (laughs) the hunt or like i i know that back in the day when i wasn't creating as much art um every work of art was like this struggle this struggle to like create right i'm like fighting it was basically like like i was wrestling the canvas you know, back and forth. And what I realized quickly when I was doing uh, shows and markets every weekend Mm -hmm. was that I didn't have time to him and haw. And I think that a lot of my creative confidence came from the fact that like, maybe I did well at a show and I needed, I needed more work to be able to you know, for the next weekend. Right. Right. And essentially you just have a week to create. And I think at that point, uh, that's where a lot of my confidence with brushstrokes and like, if I'm working on something, um, being able to just get it started for chunking it and just get it started and just go through. And Mm -hmm. if I found myself questioning too much, Right. I would set it aside and and get started on something new. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons that like you've heard in past podcasts and in videos where I talk about the fact that like I'm usually working on more more than one piece in the studio, whatever the studio could fit. Honestly, that's probably what I'll have in there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I operate in the studio, too. And with the music studio, like I've found it useful to have more than one musical project going because um, you get ear fatigue or (laughs) eye fatigue or brain fatigue. Yeah, that's that's where like I'm flipping the canvas upside down. Like there, there have been times where like I'm working on something and I might be struggling with something and I'm like looking at it and. You know, even if it's like a figure and you're looking at the facial dimensions and like it's one eye, you know, and I can't tell. You can't tell because your eyes adjust, your mm-hmm. ears adjust, things adjust 
for what it is that you're working on. And in those moments, it's been beneficial for me to like flip it upside down, maybe take a picture of it and see it on a smaller screen or, you know, be able to change my vantage point, change my perspective on it. And it's allowed me to see it a lot clearer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's usually by the time I get to that point, I might look at it, make some changes. But if it's something that I've been struggling with for a little bit, then I move on to the next project and I allow that to just kind of gestate in my mind. Um, And what ends up happening is like eventually something pops into my brain and then I go back to that work. So it's allowed me to work much more efficiently when I'm creating. Yeah. Instead of just struggling with one piece and it like going for days and days, like I just set it aside and when I'm ready to come back to it, I come back to it. And I think that that helps the efficiency. Now, what's ironic about that is that that's the same way that I approach the production line mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, my my perspective on my, I don't know about you, but my perspective on the production stuff is when I'm working on several pieces at once and there are all these different themes and things like that, that's different because then I'll move from one to the other. But when I'm working on, let's say, a series where they're all part of the same series and maybe I'm using the same kind of paints mm-hmm. on each one of these, right? So instead of uh, getting this paint ready for this one and then, you know, getting another paint ready and putting paint in my tray, like basically if I have that paint and this is what the background is going to be um, or the base layer of it, then I'm going to use that across the board For efficiency's sake. For efficiency's sake. So I don't have to, like, clean my brushes or, you know, first off, I hate cleaning brushes. It's the (laughs) worst thing. everyone probably does. I think the stigma is that um, the pervasive stigma is that production mode sucks. Most artists feel like they don't like it and they like creative mode. And I guess question number one is, could you veer too far into production mode or creative mode? And what does that look like? And I've been in both for sure. And that's why I say, I think you need both. And I don't think either one is a negative or a positive. I think there's got to be a balance. I was way too far in production mode back when we were constantly doing multiple shows every weekend, because instead of coming up with new designs, I was literally just robotically producing I think work. That that's where that's where you can fall into a pitfall, right? Mm-hmm. Like you create certain things, you know that they sell consistently at a market or something like that, and then you find yourself restocking your stock. Yes. Yeah, so if you if you're using the words restocking inventory, then you're probably in production yeah. mode. Zara said, Ooh, that's a great idea. Uh series with the same color palette. So I can bounce around. Absolutely. It absolutely. really is efficient. And yeah. I mean, and that's that's the thing. Like I am a in this is something I think a, one of the Monday motivational madnesses was being lazy is a superpower. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, my efficiency when it comes, my prolificness in the studio has a lot to do with being lazy. I am lazy. I don't want to work more than I have to. I don't want to um <laughs> I don't want to make things more complicated than they have to be. I don't want to spend a lot of time on something. I don't want things to be tedious. In fact, the irony is that like my very unique style has a lot to do 
with getting a project started where it's tedious and then figuring out a way to make it easier. Make it less tedious. Yeah. Tish is like, I don't think I have a clean brush in my studio. No. Leith is like, I ditched the 100% clean brush after the current painting. Yep. Zara said, I need to be in production mode now. I've been in creative mode and I have a whole kingdom of ideas going. Yeah, that's where on the flip side, if you if you live in creative mode for a very long time, you may find that you have a whole slew of ideas um, and you need to get into production mode to make some of those ideas happen. Yeah. And I believe that you can be kind of in both. So I recently took on a commission for a really cool ring. And instead of making one, I, I needed to make a prototype. But then after the prototype, instead of making one, I decided to make a handful of them in different metal types so I was going through this process. So it was a creative process, but the production mode side said, well, instead of making one, why not make a few of them? So you can see it in gold and rose gold and silver and so on and so and forth. I, I think that production mode stuff is something that I learned growing up in the jewelry store, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're prepping something, when you're prepping a work on something, for example, um, in this example, I'm going to use a painting. When you're prepping to work on a painting and you know the colors that you're going to use and what you're doing, right? You have a specific palette that you're setting up for that painting, mm -hmm. right? If you're going to do a series, why not get that series started all at once mm -hmm. so that instead of just having to prep that palette every single time you go to work on a piece... Right, which is just more time. It's already prepped. And so now you're just, sure, you're spending a little bit more time on the individual pieces, but you're not getting the boring part ready, which is like prepping the paint right. and, you know, cleaning your brushes or getting the brushes out. Uh, I think it's hilarious um, about the clean brushes where Tish is like, I don't clean my brush. Yesterday, I painted something in the studio. Right, because we, I just bought a big, a large format printer, and I needed to make room for it, and I wanted to cover the bottom of the stairs to protect it, to protect it from dust falling on it. But I wanted it to be like a cool, artsy color and stuff. So, like, I grabbed some of my paintbrushes, my wider paintbrushes from the studio. I painted it, and then just set the brush aside. So I literally ruined a brush. Now, here's the interesting thing about that: I looked at the brush. And thought to myself, I should go rinse this out in the sink that we have in the studio, which That's is like 20 feet away, literally right there. And instead of doing that, I was like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> That's how bad I am when okay. it comes to cleaning brushes. So when your brain is like, nah, I think this rolls into Leah's question. Do you have advice to be in production mode? I dabble in art and writing and it's easy to be creative, but going into production mode is hard. I think production mode is is forming habits it's habit yeah. establishing and it's a modicum of discipline right it's being self-motivating and saying okay well i'm gonna sit down at my workspace and chunk this or get get a little bit of this going yeah so that momentum can take over and it might be it <laughs> might just be one thing right mm -hmm. in writing for example with the books for me i've made it very very simple for myself like I have um, – so now that – I'll show you guys these note cards that you could see at home watching the video. But for anybody listening to this, 
I have no cards and I write down my ideas on them. And then inside of the writing room, I have corkboard, large corkboard up on the wall. And whenever I have an idea, these ideas transfer between videos and podcasts and blogs and all kinds of things, but also they'll end up in the book. So when I look at my board, um, I'll position these cards wherever it is that they fit into that story of that book that I'm writing. And then when I sit down to write, I may for chunk one paragraph, one sentence, one thing, you know, and a lot of times for chunking, you know, for chunking is just five minutes. I'm going to sit down, write a paragraph and you write it badly, right? It's, it's a first draft. It's the same thing as getting a, a painting started, right? It's not going to look gorgeous right from the get-go. So like I get the process started and what'll happen is either A, I continue writing, right? Or B, five minutes is up and I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not there. I'm like, you know what? Let me give it a break. And I think that one of the issues that a lot of creatives run into is that they think that being in production mode means that you continue just bam, 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 like a robot. And it's not like that. It's finding the way to inspire yourself to move, A, more efficiently, faster, but also be willing to step away and work on something else if you're not feeling it. And that's where I found the melding of the two of production mode and creativity. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people have this idea that creativity is one thing and production mode is something else. And in my mind, it's, it's a little bit of both. Right. There definitely is a creativity that comes in production mode. The only difference is you are looking at ways to simplify the entire process to make it easy on you so that you don't walk away feeling like you failed, especially if you're working on several things at once. Most like, definitely. Like I know that Clover um, has, you know, the dice that she creates and the, the different things. And there has to be some semblance of production mode, but there is a creativity that gets that is in there. They're not separate. They're not two separate things. They don't have to be. No. I'm, and I'm going to say something that might be a little unpopular, but sometimes getting into production mode requires setting yourself not a super rigid, but maybe a deadline, like a flexible deadline. Because when timelines are super open-ended and there's nobody waiting on you and you haven't set like an end date for yourself on a thing, man, creatives can drag stuff out <laughs> infinitely. We are great infinitely. at waiting to the very last moment. I'm producing jewelry right now because I set myself a self-imposed deadline for a spring collection that I want to release. If I didn't have that date, like... I would do what I used to do, which was only work on jewelry when an order came in. Yeah. <laughs> and then the rest of the time I'd be like, oh, I wish I had more time to be creative. But the truth was that I wasn't going down to the studio to be creative. I was only producing work when I got an order for work or a commission. And that's and that's the thing. Like, we're working for ourselves, right? So, like, your deadline might be, all right, I want to um, upload five new paintings to my website, to my store mm -hmm. um, by the end of the month, or I want to do a painting every week, or I want to, you know, and the thing is, it's not just, I want to create a painting every week. There has to be something where it's like, you're giving yourself some kind of rhythm of creation. 
And giving yourself the room to be flexible and move it if you have to, but giving yourself that that, that motivation. Yeah. Like, so we had, uh, we, you know, like an example is like re- releasing a song every month or releasing a book every year. And sometimes you do have to move that goalpost. Yeah. But without that, it's like, man, I've had a, I've had a song. I've had, I have a couple songs in queue. I have one song that's been in the works for like two years because I didn't say like, oh, I want to release this song at this time. And so you run into a problem with it and then it's just really too easy to set it aside and not think about it because maybe you ran into a problem. So I think it's good to kind of have timelines in place for yourself to keep you motivated and try to do a little bit towards those goals on a regular basis, whether it's daily or weekly or whatever it is, to just form the habit to be working on stuff. Because Especially if you came out of like the corporate world, the nine to five hustle where you're used to like being on somebody else's timeline where someone's telling you what to do and when to do it. Doing that for yourself can be really difficult. In in your brain, uh, basically, you've set up the habit of being used to somebody else telling you to do something. And I think that that's where a lot of creatives run into issues with running a business because they don't have anybody telling them to do something. So it's almost like you have to have those two sides of you, right? The, the artist, the artist, I am the artist, but you also have you, you have to have yourself manager that is like, listen, this is the deadline, you know, Mm -hmm. let's, let's try and get to it. Um, and, but, but it's also being good to yourself, right? That's the beauty. We work for ourselves so we don't have to be a-holes, like a lot of bosses out there. Totally. Tish said, for me, music is essential for production mode. Helps keep me from getting bored when doing the same thing over and over and over oh, again. Oh, absolutely. Agreed, Tish. Um, music or a good audiobook or something. Audiobooks are tricky if you are in creative mode because your brain is focused more on what you're doing. But when you're in production mode, audiobooks can Audiobooks be are great. Great, too. Uh, Clover said, I've noticed that... I've noticed I've made some of my creative things are strictly production and then have my art that I just go wild with. I may have just gotten too comfortable with one, but the production a lot of. The process is just production, same repetitive task with no room for error. Yeah. Yeah. Zara said being in that flow is where the fun is for me and what keeps me energized to create and produce. I get dragged down with the robot production thing. Yeah. And that's, that's why you have to instill. So like when I work on more than one piece, the way that I see it, especially if I'm working on like, uh, so I have a, a very simple series that I create called the seasons of change. Right. Or even my, artist enhanced prints, right? So instead of just working on one, I'm going to create several of them. And the way that I view it, my perspective is not, oh, I'm just working on this and this and this, and it's all these steps involved. I see it all as like one big project, right? One big painting, right? And what I'm looking forward to is seeing what it looks like when it's all done and it's just laying there in front of me. So that's actually the thing that motivates me to move. But then again, all of those tedious steps, I've reduced down to the simplest, the most simplest way that I could do that. And when that's happening, there is music, there is an audiobook, there is conversation, mm-hmm. you know, Klee's off in the other side of the studio, hammering and singing along to music. So like there's, there's life and there's flow there. 
um, most definitely do not work on something tedious and productive production mode without music. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I mean, unless that's your jam, but wor- silence. working in silence yeah. is generally not super fun. Um, Clover said, I make a day of the week dedicated to one project. So Tuesday is sanding day and Saturday is lay in bed and paint on my iPad day. I love it. It's good to designate days like, um, Rafi and I have days and weeks uh, dedicated to things. So like we have a media week that's by and large dedicated to video production and we have um, days that are dedicated to the studio or domestic arts like yard day. And so on and so forth to keep everything move to keep everything moving to give everything airtime right creative day sit at your workspace and come up with something I have music days and weeks um, and band practice day and so on and so forth writing days so it is helpful to give yourself a flexible schedule where you're like okay I know like. Um, maybe I'm not feeling it. Maybe it's writing day and I'm not feeling writing, but maybe I'll go into the writing space and write a bad sentence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then move on to something else. And that's the willingness. The willingness, you know, that's where Fachunkin comes in because the willingness is like, you're not there to create a masterpiece in that moment. You're just there to create. And that's really the juxtapos- the juxtaposition. The whole definition of being an artist is creating. And so like it doesn't being an artist doesn't mean that you have to create a masterpiece every single time. It just means that you are willing to put the time into creating something and getting it started. So I love the idea of giving yourself those days where you just, you know, all right, well, today I'm going to work on this or every morning at this time or in the mornings, I'm going to try and work on this because in the mornings, that's when I'm feeling most creative. You know, or and it's defining that ebb and flow, too. Right. Because we have seasons and we've talked about this before, but also you have seasons throughout the day where it's like maybe in the morning you're most productive or maybe in the evenings you're most productive. And it's really figuring out what your flow is for this and which projects are the ones that you really want to. If you get into just production where it's just production mode and it's month after month of that. Burnout. You're going to burn out on that. Mm-hmm. Gobbles Gossip is like, what if your title actually partly includes the word producer? <laughs> <laughs> the title of producer has always been an interesting and mysterious one for me. I'm like, what do producers do? Clearly they produce things. They, they produce. Um, sometimes they produce money. Yeah, to that's, make mostly, that's mostly what producers do is sometimes, they produce money. Yeah. yeah, or sometimes they produce the foundation work for the, like music producers, right? Often are the, the folks who create the foundational music for another artist to grab and do something yep. with. It is an interesting title, though, and it's fun to look at like, well, what does that mean? And what does it mean for me if I'm a producer, if I'm a music producer or a project producer? I mean, technically, that's what we are. We, you know, as we're artists, content producers, we're content producers, we're music producers because we're the ones producing and paying for the music. 
um, we're video producers, we're art producers, jewelry producers. So mm -hmm. essentially, we're the ones that are putting up the finances to make this happen. Indeed. Zara said <clears throat> deadlines, decision to get going. It's amazing how much work I am probably using as a distraction. So now I organized my distractions that are productive. Very cool. That's a thing too, Zara. <clears throat> I So it's it can be easy to like fall into um, repetitive busy work because there is a comfort zone there especially if you're really good and efficient at it and like that can actually keep you from doing other maybe more challenging work uh, if and, that makes sense and, and it, it's usually a habit that you form I can mm -hmm. tell you right now like the reason that I wasn't an artist earlier in my life was because I had formed the habit of wanting to get a project started or wanting to do this thing, right? And then I would get started, whether it was writing or artwork, I would get started on it. And then immediately I would think about money, right? And maybe a weekend, then all of a sudden I would start looking online for work at home type things, right? All those work at home opportunities that are there. And then I would spend two weeks researching and looking at work at home things and then after those two weeks i would give up and i would go back to a job the vicious cycle uh, so yeah. like in that was the thing i realized that like my fallback whenever i would panic instead of creating stuff and really putting myself out there was finding a way to distract myself from what I was working on. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, uh, that is very interesting. It can That's be a trap. A current example is like Rafi and I have been working on the community site that we built. And then we transitioned over with a small hiatus to updating our e-commerce website that had been neglected um, through the, the time of moving and all that. And we got that dialed in really nicely. And now there's like a pull for me to like sit and tweak what's already really good rather than shifting gears and moving on to something else because I've established this habit of website work. And so the website doesn't need me right now. Actually, the studio needs me, but it's it's this pull to keep doing this task that I've been doing that I've established this comfort level with. Well, so it doesn't, and it doesn't take very long to create the habit. Right. Or any habit, like... You know, you work on it for a week, you get up in the morning, you drink your coffee, boom, you go and get started on the website. Yeah. And then it's over and you wake up in the morning, you drink your coffee and you're like, uh, you, get, you get pulled. And you can find like busy work to do on said <clears throat> website instead of shifting gears. I think shifting gears can be difficult and most of us creatives have to do it. Oh, yeah. Because there's many things that we do. There's the creative side of us. There's the production side of us. There's the admin bookkeeping side of us and the running the household side of us. Tish is like, I dread cleaning day. You want to hear <laughs> something funny, Tish? I, I have actually found a hack for myself, which is I will spring cleaning day on myself. I'll surprise myself with it because if I write it in my planner, then I dread it too. And sometimes it's fine. Sometimes I have to do it that or way. I, or I spring it kind of like I sprung yard work on us yesterday. Mm -hmm. So if cleaning needs to happen and if I wake up in the morning and I don't have a clear plan for the day, I'll spring the cleaning on myself. I'll be like, okay, well, if you don't know what you're doing, then you're cleaning bathrooms. And then I'm like, no, <laughs> and then I go do it. And then I'm glad that I did it. But I surprise myself with domestic arts tasks sometimes. And it's 
it's effective. Although I don't know how much I like that side of me. That's like it's cleaning day. Yeah, and I I feel like stuff like that, like you can't put into you, you th- that kind of stuff is production mode stuff though, mm-hmm. where it's like, all right, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and really when we do uh, the domestic arts part, it's because it's clearing the space for the creative stuff. Yeah. Gobbles Um, is like, it's so easy for me to jump around to new songs like a flea. Oh, I feel you gobbles. It's so easy to begin a song. It's, it's difficult to finish a song. Um, and, and it could be a really amazing song that you're super into, but the closer you get to done, it's like, I don't know. There's more moving parts and there's more at stake. (laughs) So, that's where it's like hey, the the self-discipline habits, right? I want to release this song into the wild so other people can enjoy it too. And it's And that's that's I think that that's the thing. It's like, all right, well, let me get this done. And I think that a lot of the projects in the studio um or just any of the projects that I work on, it gets to that point where I'm like, I just want to get this done so I can move on to what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I, I want to move on to what's next. I want to list it on the site. I want to see what it looks like. Right. So I'm, I'm weird that way. Like I've gotten into the habit of getting myself excited to see what it looks like on my website. Um, you know, a lot of people get discouraged with their website because they're like, well, I haven't sold anything, you know, and they list stuff and like, I don't give it, I don't, I don't care. In fact, a lot of times if something does sell that I'm a little discouraged because I'm looking at my sections and they're empty and, and you know, <laughs> and th- th- this painting is now gone and this painting complimented this painting so much. Totally. So like I've gotten into the habit of just getting really excited about the aesthetics of how it looks when I get the paintings on there. So that works for me as a deadline. And I think that really the motivation, that's one of the reasons too. your motivation for being in production mode um, is because you want to create and you want to see it created and you want to see it out there. You want to see it. this new collection out there and you want to share it, but also creative mode. That's you want to create this thing and, and get this thing done so you could finish it and put it out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be very discouraging if you create something and then it just, you know, if it's a song, it, then it goes on a file on your computer and it never gets shared. Or, That's a huge bummer. Or you do a painting and it just, you know, you never, it goes on a shelf or on your wall and it never gets shared. So I think the motivation there, it will really, really help because if you are motivated to just share things because you want to share them and you want to finish them because you want to share them versus I want to finish this because I want to sell it. That's where that, that difference in feeling is in when it comes to production mode. There's gotta be, it's gotta be excitement and not stress. Production mode under duress is the worst thing ever. Production mode under excitement is much, much better. Kathleen said, I'm not making as much work, but I am taking an art and business class, and I figure I'll have more time later for doing back-end work now. That's great. That's part of it, too, learning new skills. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing. Like, when you are an artist, you are running a business, Mm -hmm. and those new skills, you know, that's, it's all part of it. What I would recommend, though, is that you just keep doing stuff, you know, because there's a it it could be easy to fall into the trap of just the learning stage, the research stage, I like to call it. And really, at the end of the day, we really learn things when we put them into action. Um, 
And a lot of us like to wait until we know more before trying to put something into action or being motivated into it. And I would say just get it started. Uh, We bumbled our way through this and we've improved things as we've gone. You know, we've made mistakes and you just kind of go through and you get better and better at something because honestly, the I've learned everything that I've learned by making every single mistake that I could make. Same. Clover says, I don't know if it's just my ADHD brain just says things are done 80% of the way through and tries to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, think I live there too sometimes. Clover, Clover, that's that's where I'm like, I just, I just want to get to immediately at that point, the motivation might just be like, I just want to get this done. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to work on this today. I'm going to fachunk the crap out of this thing because I just want to get it done. Yeah, because when you get 80% of the way, I, I've heard myself say this. I wish I could just have somebody come in and finish this. <laughs> the only thing that gets me through at that point is, and I'm going to call it the final polish, whether which is for real with jewelry, but also on a song or anything of the like, it's 80% done and it's glorious, right? But you know what it's going to be when you put the final polish on. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. Whether that means you're mastering a song track or you're varnishing a painting. It's that, or last, that last moment that's so satisfying. And, it's, and it glistens and you're like, now it is complete. I, I live like the, for that. The heavens open up and it's like, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Um, the final polish <clears throat> is what gets me through <laughs> to the end. Tish is like, I may have to try that. My mom ran a cleaning business when I was little, and guess who was her helper? It's anxiety at its peak for me. I'd much rather play with art stuff, for sure. Domestic arts can be a total drag when you don't want to. And that's the thing. Like, we try to to make everything fun, right? And because our philosophy is, like, I don't... I don't care if there's people out there that are like, business is supposed to be blah, 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 blah. It's like, this is life. Everything that we're doing is life. And we don't work for anybody. So I don't have to jump through hoops for anybody. So I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to make this life that I'm living as fun as possible. So when it comes to domestic arts, like cleaning and stuff like that, um, it's important to put on some loud music, be goofy, uh, do the things, really set up that feeling. And what we'll do is we'll clean up the house. And once you know that, that nice feeling that envelops you, then we'll sit there, we'll maybe have a drink, hang out for a little bit, light some incense or whatever, and just chill. Mm-hmm. In, and in, enjoy it. And bask in that cleanse. So like when it's going, when we're going through the tediousness of cleaning, like that's really what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about that moment. I'm not like, oh, this sucks. I hate doing this. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, you know, if wash dishes or we do anything like that, there's also that meditative thing there of like clearing the space and clearing your mind. Mm -hmm. Zara said, yeah, I need to reframe the vision from creation to excited about that creation living in the wild. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yoshana said, I tricked my lazy self today, found a group of girls doing writing sprints live, got all the flash stories and short into my ebook doc, only editing left. Woot, nice. Oh, very cool, Yoshana. That's awesome. Kathleen said, took me 15 years to learn that. (laughs) You know, Rafi and I are over a decade in and still learning stuff constantly. It's a never-ending process. 
Um, Clover said there's an art practice saying that I hear over and over to do 100 art practices to 80% instead of 10 at 100% because 99% of the learning is in the first part. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Definitely, especially for studies and trying things, most definitely. Rachel said, hmm, but sometimes you have to force yourself to say, right, it's finished. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there there's that point because now – I've gotten very comfortable with knowing when something is finished, but but even still, um, there will be points where I want to overwork something. Mm -hmm. And when it gets to that point where I want to overwork something, I just push it off to the side and I'll let it sit there. I've let pieces sit in my studio just staring at me for months sometimes because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm done or it's not done. And eventually with a new set of eyes, you'll be able to see whether or not you need to progress on it. Because, yeah, the worst thing is like overworking a piece. And honestly, overworking happens in your brain, in mm-hmm. your head. Oh, absolutely. Like that's that's because if you're analytical and you're like, this is where like it messes with production mode and creativity because a lot of people... They, you know, the perfection is, oh, it's got to, it's got to be perfect. And there's all these other traps that you fall into of needing to make something perfect, worrying about what other people are going to see in it, thinking like, oh, I'm not getting this right. It's not working. And then you struggle, you struggle with the work and it gets to a point where it doesn't, it's not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not fun anymore. And then you feel like it's overworked. I've had pieces that somebody else came into my booth. Another artist came in. It's like, oh, it looks like you overworked that one. And honestly, uh, I didn't. I was like, no, I didn't overwork that. That's, that's That's to the perfection. That's exactly where I wanted to take that work. That's the thing is that nobody else can tell you whether a piece is under or overworked. That is 100% your call. No, this guy was... This guy was in a unspoken competition with me all the time, right? And he, whenever I talk about that artist that sits there with their arms crossed and are all pissed because nobody's buying their art, this is one of the, he's one of the people that I think about. The examples. Yeah. Um, Kathleen said, or finished for now. Clover said, I've been putting off bookkeeping for months. (laughs) Bookkeeping. Yeah. Yeah. So what we do, we've made, um, Clea has a a system that she has in place. We actually wrote about it in the money book, Mm -hmm. but she takes care of that every morning. And so every morning, you know, it's like five or 10 minutes of bookkeeping. Because I look at it every morning, it's it's five or 10 minutes. If I let it go because I'm busy, then it's longer for sure. When it comes to reporting sales tax, if I let it go, then it takes a little longer. And of course, overall finances when it comes to like federal tax, if you let it go, it can be tedious. We, um, we actually, we set aside a week for it mm-hmm. um, and we blast music that day and we just... You know, it's a fun game to see how much money we could save on federal taxes. Definitely. Okay, so let me switch gears. Hold on, Yoshana said, bookkeeping is a dirty word. Slap. (laughs) It might not smell too good, but it's necessary. Yeah. Um, The flip side to this conversation that a lot of artists struggle with is 
you get a little bit of traction, you get a little bit popular, you get a lot of commission work and orders coming in, and you find yourself in constant production mode with no time for creativity. This is a complaint that I used to hear from artists a lot at markets, especially artists who had a lot of impulse stuff. Like um, there was one artist in particular that did glorious portraiture, but she would sell the crap out of um, greeting cards. So she was constantly producing greeting cards for the markets and not really able to do any personal, personally fulfilling work. Right. Um, and so, that, and that's that's important because if you, it's the reason that we say do not take any commissions that you do not want to work on, because if you do and you become popular taking those commissions, then that's what you become popular for. Mm-hmm. And no, what if you do enjoy it, but you're just mm-hmm. booked? And I think at that point you you need to deliberately. Extend your commission timelines, extend your order production timelines, and deliberately set creative time aside. And raise your prices. And raise your prices if, if you you're are, that busy. If you're in demand, you know, and that was what, that was actually the advice that I gave her when she was talking about her greeting cards. I was like, raise your prices. Mm-hmm. Raise your prices on your greeting cards. If they are in demand and you find yourself uh, spending all this time working on something and you're not feeling the gratification of working on it, then you need to either A, especially if you enjoy doing it, if you enjoy doing it, then raise the prices. If you don't enjoy doing it, which is a really big trap, um, and you'll see that happen across the board with creativity, you know, like creators on YouTube that got popular for one thing and they don't want to do that anymore Mm -hmm. or somebody that became popular for having, you know, stuff like when you started, you had uh, the magnetic jewelry. Oh man, it took me forever to get out of that. And you had a huge audience for magnetic jewelry and you didn't want to do it anymore, but it took you a long time to really weigh that out and be like, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it was finally like a couple of years in, you were like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. No. And, and then I found myself in that place again when we were at our peak of doing shows of like just producing the pieces that I knew were going to sell at the show because they always did. And then taking custom orders at shows and then having website orders come in. So it was just producing pieces for shows, producing work for orders, producing commission work, and never sitting down at the bench to just make a thing. I I I did that for several years before completely burning out on it. In the same studio with me, and I was off over there like creating some random crap and like, what do you think of this? No, and I was I was a nightmare for a while there and it would be like Rafi would be like, I want to film a video and I'd be like, yeah. I don't have time. I don't have time. <laughs> um I've got the, I've got I've got uh what was it that you would call it? I have to restock my inventory. I was like, "What? <laughs> restock yeah. your inventory?" So that's where it's like the, yeah. if you find yourself in that place and I know a lot of you have where you're like, "Oh, snap, it's great. It's great to be busy. It's great to have your work be in demand. It's a humble brag." A little bit to be like, oh, God, I'm so busy. I don't I'm have so any. busy right now. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it is very important that you have your creative expression time outside of fulfilling those needs, right? 
so it might come down to like you need to be a little ruthless then with your time uh and and like as kathleen said also limit the time my last commission dragged out for months yes um so like extend extend or reduce your production timelines depending on what you need to do if you're dragging things out unnecessarily then you might need to shorten those times or if you're producing too much work too quickly and you need more time in between so that you may be creative then you need to adjust your timelines accordingly um, I recently, all of my stuff on our website used to say three to five business days for a piece. Uh, that production mode was uh, affected by the markets and by online platforms. And the way that I work now, because we balance so many things that we do, I cannot produce a piece in three to five business days. Right. That had to adjust so that I can take care of everything and not just be in production mode. And that's the thing. As you're going through your art career, certain things are going to change. And you're going you're gonna to be changing the materials that you use or changing the way that you work. And it does have to evolve. It does have to change that way where you give yourself more time, especially as you experience things. You know, I think about commissions and like, so I will always give the person maybe an additional month. I'll tell them like, all right, if it's something that's going to take me a month, I'll tell them an extra month with the idea in my brain. I'm the only one that knows that I'm going to probably get this done in a month and I'm going to um, ship it to them early. Mm -hmm. Great. But if I get to the end of that month and I realize that like, oh, I'm not going to get this done in time immediately I contact the customer, the person that commissioned me, and I let them know um, this is going to take an additional month, right? So I work in increments of months. Like I do not want to be going down in the studio and working on a piece um, every single day trying to rush to get it done. In, in like, panic mode. Yeah, in panic mode in like two weeks. Like Yo that's ridiculous. Yoshana said that's what I did with my knitting and crochet business that I shut down. I took too many commissions, put too many deadlines close together and ended up in the hospital with a nitro patch. Rough lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. You you have to give yourself the time mm -hmm. to be able to work. And, only, and you know your speed. Things will change too, you know, like... As you're working on stuff and you become more comfortable and you start to uh, cut the right corners and, and make things a little bit more efficient, then great, you know. But that doesn't mean that now you get to work on um, commissions faster, right? Like, oh, I get to reduce my deadlines to two weeks. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm -mm. And it depends on the, the piece, <clears throat> too. There's a balance there. I've been guilty of dragging things out much, much, much longer than they need to be because I'm hemming and hawing over the, the design in my brain instead of just problem solving in real time. And then yeah. there's also putting a ridiculously short deadline on myself on the other side. It's like you have to try to strike that balance and of course every project especially one you've never done before is going to come with a unique set of challenges and i think just being being honest with yourself about what you need and how you work best and then just being communicative with anybody on the other end of that is the key but we're all like continuously trying to find that balance yeah and you gotta you gotta figure it out like you know that if you're working on something that you've never worked on before or there's going to be a lot of figuring out you know that's where i add an additional month for gestation of ideas right 
I and this was inspired by I forget who which writer it was, but somebody went to go visit this writer and they were taking a nap in a hammock, and they were like he's taking a nap, you know, and the writer's wife was like, oh no, he's doing research, and I I love that idea because really that's if you allow yourself to step away from something and just allow it to gestate, like it's gonna come, like your brain is working on the designs while you're you know washing dishes or or taking a nap or doing whatever kathleen's like because it's not just art timing it's life i don't have any commissions right now but life exploding i wouldn't have the time yeah, yeah exactly. exactly you're not just always in your studio producing work as an yeah. artist you're, you're not a human you're not being. a robot you're not a robot and back in the day like when i was like oh i gotta I got to pull out commissions and whatever. Like I would spend just about every day. I, I I think I would make the comment like I wish that I wish there was a clone of me to do the right. And here's the thing though, I wanted there to be a clone of me that was just chained to the studio that didn't need to that eat didn't, or didn't sleep. Need to eat, didn't ha- didn't have a life. Wasn't enjoying life. And I was like, oh, that's so that business side of me is kind of treating the artist side of me like that. Like an indentured servant. Exactly. Naomi said, hi, Rafi and Klee. Any advice for learning overload? Exhausted from learning admin and other things that I didn't realize were a part of it all for the art. Just don't know how to get into learning again. Oh, gotcha. Maybe you need a break from learning if you're in learning over overload. That's a thing. It's easy. It is very easy for us to get into that research learning stage and be there until you figure it out. And there does have to be a balance, right? Yeah. You have to be willing to dedicate maybe a few hours to it and be like, all right, I'm going to learn this or whatever, and be willing to walk away from that, understanding full well, you know what, I'll come back to it tomorrow or the next day or the next day, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm going to work on this two days out of the week where I'm going to really research stuff. Mm-hmm. I've gotten into habit that when, you know, I, I just built the website. We manage multiple businesses. There's different things going on. I've gotten into the habit where if I am researching something or I'm trying to learn something, I will do it, but there is a cap on how much time I spend doing that. Yeah, and the phrase is, I know enough for now. I know enough for now. That's enough for now. Let's table this. Uh, An example in my admin world is that um, there's a new law in place that is preventing us from shipping goods to the UK. It has to do with VAT tax. And I beat my head against a wall doing research for months trying to figure out the best approach to get us to a place where we could ship art and jewelry to the UK once more. And it is still an ongoing process. And I was doing research to the point of feeling like I'm going to vomit. <laughs> you can't. You um, can't. And I was writing letters to her, His Majesty's Revenue and Customs, and I was writing letters to the U.S. Trade Department and trying to fool a law. And at some point, you just have to say, even though, right, it feels like a lot of pressure and it feels like it needs to be dealt with right effing now because it affects your business, uh, you still have to say, that's enough for right now. And that's a, that's the thing, Naomi. It's like understanding that you're you're going to you're going to learn things. You're going to go through the process and really when you're there and you're you're going through the process, 
right? It's specifically at that moment that you're really going to learn that thing, right? Mm -hmm. You want to file your sales tax. Okay, great. That's the perfect opportunity to learn how to file your sales tax. You call the sales tax office or you research some stuff. Boom, you file your sales tax. You maybe take some notes on that and then you filed your sales tax. Uh, Oh, I've got all these paintings. I want to do inventory on these paintings. How am I going to do inventory? Then you do that. You ask other artists, like, how is it that you keep track of your stuff? And you figure out which way works for you, but you do it in that moment. If you are researching something and you are, or you are, you know, doing all the learning for it and you're learning every single aspect of it, you're going to find that you don't actually need most of that stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's in those moments where like you're doing it, that it is going to be much more simplified and you're going to be able to figure out ways to simplify that system. Um, Because if not, it's like, you know, if we needed, if we sat there and did research on like, okay, business sales tax and how does that work and everything. And we started, there's a bunch of dry information on that out there. And we could, you could spend weeks just researching that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would say that maybe about 10% of it is really something just that's applicable to, to us. It's kind of like learning a photo editing program or a music production program. Uh, you you learn enough to like do the stuff you need to do at the time. Yeah. And that because if you tried to learn the entire program all at once, it would be overwhelming and you probably wouldn't even want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, when when I edit my videos, there's only a certain thing, a certain stuff that I do. Now, if I want to add special effects and I want to add graphics and, you know, text that follows me around, my program's able to do that. Um, I will look up a video and that's when I'm going to learn how to do it. I don't need to learn every single aspect of the program I'm using. And that's the pitfall that a lot of people fall into is that. They go to do something, they're excited about doing it, and then the excitement wanes because now you're stuck learning how to do everything and researching everything about the thing that you're doing versus what do I need right now? What what do I need right now in this moment that mm-hmm. I need to do? And, you know, for me, that's the simplest way of approaching it, whether you're learning how to paint in a certain style or you're learning watercolor or you're learning sketching or admin, uh, or bookkeeping, admin, QuickBooks, bookkeeping whatever. QuickBooks, whatever it is, like just what is applicable to me right now in this moment mm-hmm. and simplify it, you know, and sometimes it's ours, but be willing to walk away from it. Just be like, all right. And say, I know enough it's for good, now. It's good enough for today. Like, and, and I, and I will say that out loud, even if Clee's not in the room, yeah. I'll be looking at it and I'll be like, you know what? It's good enough for today. And because your mental health comes first. Yes. Rachel said, yes, would need 10 lifetimes. Google is my friend. (laughs) Exactly. Sarah said, yeah, learning can be a safety or comfort thing when experience is really the teacher. Totally. I, I, you know, I've called it analysis paralysis for the longest time because you can get stuck in a research loop feeling like you don't know enough and being scared to take the first actual step in doing it and crying on tax forms like we all know that I have done in the past. (laughs) Um, But every time you do it, you learn a little bit. Every time you do it, you learn a little bit. And I think that's the best way to learn something. Gobbles Gossip said, please make a black t-shirt with white lettering for us, please. What, what do you want it to say? I've, I have black t-shirts with white lettering. 
Yes, what will the t-shirt say? I'm, we might have missed that in the ticker tape. Dreams are definitely, definitely a part of research. I've had so many crazy dreams that have inspired different stories. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. Leah. Yes. I have uh, created artwork from dreams also. There was uh, one particular very strange abstract piece of jewelry that came, the the entirety of it came out of a dream. And I, still to this day, I'm like, I'm not really sure like what what it meant entirely but uh it's cool and i've written songs from dream state as well yeah but that's i I mean and that's how it works so at the end let's let's get to the ending of the podcast when it comes to production mode and artistic mode i think really my opinion on this is that it's there's no difference between the two Right. It's easy to look at production mode and say, you know, because it's all these steps involved and be like, all right, well, it's all these steps and it's tedious and whatever. And I know what this is. This is kind of like what Clover was saying. I have a sanding day and I have this and I have that. But it's understanding that, like, at the end of that, you're going to have a bunch of individual pieces that are going to all be yours and unique. Right. So the closest that I come to in production mode is, let's say, creating my enhanced prints. Right. The first thing I got to do is cut the wood and then I'm going to sand the wood and I'm going to do all this stuff. I hate sanding. Sanding is worse to me than cleaning brushes. Right. So what I did was I got a table sander. Right. And it makes the process easier for me and much more interesting. Right. So I'm like, man, and then I have music in the background, like, man, and now I'm going through the pieces and I have this way that I do it where it's like first this way and then like this, then like this, then like this, then I do the edges, boom, side, you know, and at that point, my production mode is looking at this stack of 20 that I have over here and then watching my stack on the other side grow. Gratifying. And then there's immediate, you know, so it's like. Every single little step in that production mode, setting up some kind of form of immediate gratification for that step, right? I agree. Because that's that's the only way to get through it. Because if you're looking at the overall project and you're like, you know, when you get to the end where you get to that point where it's like 80% done and you're like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. That's where you really, what's going to push you forward is to fachunka and be like, Now I'm really close to seeing it all done, right? That's what motivates me towards the end. Now I'm close to seeing it all done. But until that point, every step is just immediate gratification. I get this step done, boom. Get this step done, boom. Even if I'm doing the backgrounds of the series where I'm like, all right, I got to put this color on every single thing. And then I look at it, I'm like, yeah, done. And the willingness to walk away at that point, too, and be like, I'm done for the day. Good enough for today. Yeah. I agree with you. Get gratification wherever you can get it in production mode. Gobbles Gossip said, Art B. Art B. <laughs> oh, so it's like 80% done. I like it. I love it. <laughs> That's how I'm interpreting it. I, I like love it, too. It. That's really good. That's really good. Kathleen said, Fachunk it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My final thoughts are that, some, like Rafi said, sometimes production mode and creative mode can be kind of one and the same. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes production mode is just production mode. So get gratification where you can get it. And be, uh, you know, be a little ruthless with your time and your self-discipline 
and find a framework that works for you so that you can have it all. Most importantly, when it comes to production mode, I think think about why it is that you're creating what you're creating, right? It's very easy to think that production, and this is where I, I say that they are one in the same. It's very easy to create something in production mode because you think it's going to sell. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's your only motivation. And we've said it time and time again, and I'll say it again. Money is a very poor motivator. When it's there, great. You're like, oh, this worked. This is wonderful. When it's not there, why would you do that? Why would you get into production mode creating something that you know is not selling? So it's got to be something that you are creating not because you think it's going to sell, you know, because you think back to you being at the market, Clee, and that was a thing. There were certain designs that you had moved on from, mm-hmm. but you were creating them because you knew that they sold. Mm-hmm. And that's where the burnout really started Yeah, absolutely. In. Or I didn't take them off the website and I was creating them because I already sold it. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> And every time I had to make one, I was like, uh, it's not that I didn't like the piece anymore. It's that I was ready for a new challenge. Yeah. Um, Kathleen, so. Kathleen said the magic of the check mark. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. It's the reason that I have checklists for different things, you know, like li- uh, live stream Wednesdays. I have a checklist that I go through and like when I finish something, that satisfaction of marking it off and knowing that I took care of everything I needed to take care of today, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing floating in the ether. Ether. I don't have to think about that thing. But it's like when I – there are things that I approach that have structure in place, but I'm still able to approach it from a flexible place. And that same thing goes for whether it's a checklist for a live stream or sitting in the studio creating a 100 artist-enhanced prints. You know, like they're – Every single thing is my own creation, but I create it not because, oh, I'm going to sell a hundred prints and this is going to be amazing. For me, it's like, I want to see it come to life. I just want to see it come to life. It's the reason that my trees, my trees have been a made to order series, the seasons of change that has been there since the beginning, because I still love creating my trees. Mm -hmm. Like I love creating them. But if it ever got to a point where I didn't want to do it or I was just doing it because they sell or I was doing it because um, whatever reason other than the fact that I want to see my I want to see them, um, I would stop selling them. I'd be done. The series would come to it an end. It would conclude. I just yeah. did a large website purge where things got discontinued, yeah. essentially, so that I could make room for new. Exactly. You make room when it's something that you don't want to do anymore. You don't do it. Because you want to make room for the new things that you do want to do. Uh, Zara said, that's a great plan. Gratification infused production for each step. And being clear about the exciting end result with money not necessarily being the goal. Got to be something more meaningful. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's perfect. You just very concisely said exactly (laughs) what we're trying to get to definitely and um yeah so i want to thank the rogues for being here uh for anybody that's listening to this if you guys heard us reading off comments that is our amazing rogue artist community and i want to give a shout out to one of our rogues in particular Rhonda young uh whose business name is oozies and doozies uh so she's at 
Uzi's uh, Instagram. You can find her at Uzi's and Doozies. And Mom of Two, Oklahoma native, polymer clay artist, creating little clay monsters. I love her monsters, by mm-hmm. the way. And from time to time, singer who loves to sing. That's awesome, Rhonda. That is all we have today. I want to thank everybody that's listening to this. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. And if you like this podcast and you'd like to listen to more like this, go ahead and click anywhere around here to subscribe. And other than that, you could say goodbye, Clee. Good day. Adios.